welcome in. It's time for Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ, our winter meetings edition of Brewers Weekly. Brewers don't do much, but sometimes what you do at the winter meetings pays the dividends later, not sooner, and uh, we'll see how that all plays out. If you want to join the program, you can do so by calling or texting into the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. You can also tweet into the program if you would like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air, as might be 37 degrees outside, which is actually kind of warm for what we've been doing lately. But we are here to talk Milwaukee Brewers baseball. By the way, the the question on the table through pretty much the entire program, would like to hear from you on this. Do you care that the Brewers come out of the winter meetings having made only one move? And we can argue, and we'll get into it coming up in a few minutes, we can argue how big of a move it actually is. But the Brewers come out of the winter meetings with with just one move under the belt. Does that frustrate you at all? I do think I get this from the fan base. I hear this all the time. There's sometimes, a, and I don't know if it's a vocal minority. I don't know if it's if it's a large portion of the fan base. I really don't know what it is. But what I do know is there is a group of people that gets frustrated at times with the methodical style of Brewers general manager David Stearns. It's a, why hasn't this move been made yet? What are they doing? Why are they waiting? Come on, let's get this going a little bit. We see it in the regular season. We see it at the first trade deadline. We see it at the second trade deadline. We see it at the winter meetings. We see the whole thing. At some point, I would hope, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong on this, at some point I would hope, that many people could look at the track record of a David Stearns and how he has done an incredible job with this club and say, okay, him going at his pace has worked out well. And I I do think that Stearns is really good at staying patient, watching the market, and being uh, allowing the market to kind of shift towards a place where he's going to be able to make the best possible deal. It makes sense. You know, the longer free agency goes, and I know this isn't completely what we're talking about because uh, winter meetings is more than just free agency. There's trades to be made and so forth. But the longer the winter goes, the cl- every day that ticks by, every moment that you get closer to spring training – the market gets better for you as a club because there are less days and players are starting to feel that added pressure to sign. Now, there are market forces that can change that. It's not just a a steady curve that says every day that you get closer, the, the market goes towards you. You have to learn how to read it because if there's three teams that have a great need at one position and there's two guys at that position who are premier players and one team signs one of those players and then you have two teams looking at that other player, the market shifts a little bit at that point. All of a sudden his value is going to come up. You get into spring training sometimes. There's still guys that are out there and all of a sudden guys start falling, injuries start occurring. You can have a little bit of a bump 
in the market. But for the most part, you go into it, and the longer you go, the better the market is for the club. So we will uh, we'll spend some time here on the program today talking about the acquisition that the Brewers made today. They go get Alex Claudio, who is a relief pitcher from the Texas Rangers, and they give up a, a pretty high draft pick. They give up uh, draft pick number 40 in the upcoming draft. That's, that's significant. That's not nothing. That you, you get pretty solid value with draft pick number 40. So this was a legit trade for the Brewers. Now, in Claudio, they're not just getting a guy that they're going to control for one year. This is someone with minor league options. This is someone with three years of club control. So you have all that to go along with it. That's why they're so willing to give up that draft pick. But that's a, that's a high-value draft pick that they give up to go get Claudio. And it continues the win-now approach to this team. The win-now approach began last year. The mo- and I said this last year, I've said this many times, I'm not trying to just repeat myself over and over and over. But the moment last year, on that Thursday, I remember we did a Brewers Weekly that day, the moment last year that they got both Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich, it was a win-now moment. And everything they've done since then has been to win now. Now, just be- sometimes there's this, there's this thought that if you're winning now, you're mortgaging the future. That's not true. Sometimes you do win now to mortgage the future. Sometimes you feel like that window is closing and you are desperate to make a move and you are willing to sacrifice some of your future for it. That's not what the Brewers are doing. If you remember last year during the offseason, and last year I remember a conversation that was had with uh, Brewers owner Mark Atanasio when he was with us during the Brewers on Deck event last year. He made reference to a summit that the Brewers Brain Trust had last offseason. It was at his home. It involved David Stearns, Assistant General Manager Matt Arnold, and Craig, Craig Council. And after they had really overachieved and played uh, in contention for a playoff spot into the final two games of the season in 2017, they made the decision at that summit that wins in 2018 were just as important as wins in 2020, wins in 2021. Meaning the rebuild with the view towards the future had shifted. And so I, I say all that to say this. This move today is another win-now move. And as a Brewers fan, I think that should make you pretty darn happy because this is a Brewers team that got within, they were one of the last three teams that were still alive this past year. Only two teams had longer seasons than the Milwaukee Brewers this past year, and those were the two World Series participants. The Brewers have to find a way to get over that proverbial hump if they want to take that next step, which is getting into the World Series and potentially winning the World Series, and you do that by getting better. You do that by making win-now moves, And this is a win-now move for the Brewers. We'll get into it a little bit more. Also on the program, what to expect from Jimmy Nelson? Should we have expectations for Jimmy Nelson? He he signed his deal this week, so he's officially locked in for next season. He was under club control. It wasn't like he was going to go anywhere. But he, he officially signed his new deal. 
should we have expectations that Jimmy Nelson of 2019 is going to be Jimmy Nelson of 2017, or is that not fair? And one other thing I want to get into before we get done at 9 o'clock, there, there's clearly some spots that the Brewers want to upgrade. they got to upgrade to second base. they got to get a second baseman. Upgrade is probably the wrong word right there. they got to find a second baseman. Uh, they, 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 they're going to make more moves in the bullpen. They're probably going to make some more moves with the starting rotation. But they reportedly had a meeting with a catcher, a, a fairly big-name catcher, uh, during the winter meetings. Now, they have Manny Pena, they have Eric Kratz, they have Jacob Nottingham all locked in. If you go in and you bring in a top-line catcher, that probably sends Nottingham to AAA to start the season again, but you still have Kratz and Pena, you're probably moving on from one of those two guys. Now, you can never have too much catching. We saw that last year with what happened with Steven Vogt. But do the Brewers need to upgrade at catcher? with what they already have locked in for next year. We'll talk about that on the program as well. If you want to join us, you can do so on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. You can also tweet into the program if you would like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. It's Brewers Weekly. We'll roll on in just a moment on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly rolls on here on WTMJ. Matt Pauley with you for another 40 minutes. We take you till 9 o'clock talking all things Brewers baseball. Want to join the program? You can do so by calling or texting into the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. You can also tweet in if you would like at Matt Pauley on air. M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. So today, the Brewers acquire from the Texas Rangers left-handed relief pitcher Alex Claudio. In exchange, they send a draft pick back to the uh, Texas Rangers, the 40th draft pick overall. Pretty solid draft pick. I mean, when you consider that the, the baseball draft has hundreds of picks in it, Number 40 overall, it's a, it's a competitive balance pick between the first and second round. or uh, Number four, yeah, I, I believe it's a, a draft pick that's just inserted between the first and second round. Uh, that, that's a pretty solid draft pick, and um, that's, that's, uh, that's a good draft pick to give away. So here's why. Alex Claudio, here's your basic scouting report on Claudio. He is a left-hander. He has three years of club control. He has at least one minor league option remaining. Hopefully they don't have to use that. The idea would be that he would be a major league guy from the start. Uh, and and he, can, he can go multiple innings. So that's, that's the big part about this. We're, I'm curious to see what Brewers pitching is going to look like this upcoming season. Because we saw it shift a little bit in September with the expanded rosters. We saw it stay shifted in the postseason with the way they utilized the initial outgetters. But my belief is in May, June, July, and August, rosters cannot handle the way the Brewers used pitching this past year in September and October. 
you just you don't have enough off days. And this past year in September, there were two things. They had an off day every week, and they had expanded rosters. And then once you got into the postseason, you had a ton of off days. So you could handle pitching a little bit different in those two months than you could the rest of the year. But the Brewers believe in their pitching philosophy. They're, they're never going to go about things exactly the, the quote-unquote conventional way. So you look at Alex Claudio. He's a guy who can throw multiple innings. David Stearns made reference to that, that being a multi-inning guy is important, and that just kind of adds another log onto the proverbial fire of, okay, they're going to continue to do things maybe just a little bit different in terms of pitching. I don't know what that's going to look like. I just don't. I, If I had to bet right now, I would say what they did with pitchers at the final two months of the season, what they do is not going to look at all like how they handle pitching over the first four months of the year. I just don't think a 25-man roster in the regular season can can handle that. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they go with it. And you know what? The Tampa Bay Rays did. That's the three of their five days this past year were not starting pitchers. They were uh, relief pitchers who were initial outgetters. And they had some starters get injured, and at one point it was like four out of five or five out of five, and they're planning on doing the exact same thing again. So maybe it can work. Uh, and the Rays were pretty good this past year. I don't think people give the Rays credit for how good they actually were. We'll see. It's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real. That's that's one thing I love about covering and talking about this Brewers team. It's always interesting. It's never boring. They are on the forefront of thinking about things a little bit differently. They're at the forefront of finding ways to go get an advantage, and I, I appreciate that. I really do. 414-799-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We've got Don and Nina. Hey, Don, you're on WTMJ. Hey, i got a question for you about the Rule 5 draft on the minor league portion. Okay. Say uh, we a triple-A level or a double-A level, we draft somebody tomorrow, and uh, the season's going on, and there's an opportunity for a guy drafted at triple-A level. Can he advance? To the big leagues or from double A to triple A. So you're not talking about the any any part of the major league phase, just the no, minor league phase of the Rule Five just draft. The minor league phase. I've wondered this for years. Yeah, they can they can and move up. They can move up. But yep. they, I know they can't move down, but they can move up. So actually, I was a little bit. I worked as a minor league broadcaster for for ten years before I got here, and we would have guys who were selected in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft. We're really getting in the weeds here, Don. Uh, at, at the double-A level or the single-A level or at the triple-A level, and they would be at different levels. You, you're actually not even... Once you're, once you're taken in the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft, you're not actually even locked in to that position. You can move up and down within the minor league system. It has something to do with what you're giving back to the other team in terms of if you're selected in the triple-A phase, double-A phase, single-A phase, it doesn't really impact where that player has to be placed in the minor leagues. So that all you are is becoming a member of a new organization? Yes. Okay. It's all really right. complicated, and... But it's 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 a very complicated aspect of the business of baseball. 
It's not the way you explained it. Now it's it, it's as clear as mud. All right. Well, I appreciate so, okay. it, Don. All right. Thanks. You bet. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Speaking of the Rule Five Draft, the Major League portion of the Rule Five Draft, which ninety nine point nine percent of you listening right now, that's the only phase you care about. If you care about any phase, pretty good chance you don't even care about the Rule Five Draft. If you do care about the Rule Five Draft, you probably only care about the Major League portion of it. The Brewers did not select anybody in the Rule 5 draft today. They did not have anybody taken in the Rule 5 draft today. So the Major League portion of the Rule 5 draft, no impact on the Brewers. This is Brewers Weekly. We'll continue on in just a moment on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues. It is our Thursday night tradition here at WTMJ. 12 months a year, barring a Bucks game, a Packers Thursday night game, the NFL draft, because we go all in on the Packers that night, those sort of things, we're here with Brewers Weekly. 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, so had something kind of interesting happen today in baseball. This doesn't involve the Brewers at all. Uh, the Seattle Mariners, Cleveland Indians, and Tampa Bay Rays make a three-team deal. Big part of it is uh, Edwin Encarnacion goes to Seattle, Carlos Santana, not the musician, goes back to uh, the Cleveland Indians. Don't look at me like that, Ashton, as I make a stupid joke. So the the sidebar on this story is Seattle Mariners' Jerry DePoto, who, like, it seems like he accounts for, like, 70% of the trades in Major League Baseball. This dude is just wheeling and dealing all the time. Something happened to him. I mean, they were in Vegas, so Lord knows what happened. Something happened to DePoto, and the, he's basically forced to go to the hospital. He, the organization says, no, you're not right. We're taking you to the hospital. So DePoto goes to the hospital. He's in a hospital bed working the phones on this deal, and he completes this trade from a hospital bed in Las Vegas. So, Ashton, my question to you. Is that a little too intense for Depoto? Like at when at the moment he walks through the doors of the hospital, is it time that somebody takes the cell phone away and says, you know, take take a breath here. We can we can get back on this Encarnacion Santana trade here in a moment. Are you going to be the one to try and take his phone away? I that's mean, that's my follow up. That's is, not uh, my job. He, there's. Well, you said there was some guy standing next to him, so that was maybe his job was to take the phone away. And he no, 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 no. The person standing next to him was the assistant GM who answers to him. So clearly, that's what I'm saying. Clearly, so can't he can't it. be the guy that takes the phone away. He needs like the president of the team, the owner of the team. If he's married, his wife. Uh, he needs. Um, if he's if he's got kids, they can do it. It cannot be somebody who he controls their employment. So it cannot be assistant general manager Justin Hollander. It has to be somebody who is higher ranking than him. I don't know. If your GM is about to make a trade, it's really hard for me to, to tell somebody, hey, you need to tell him to cool it. Because what if, what if, what if they're like, yeah, we'll just table the trade and then the Tigers, I mean, who's trading with the Tigers? But the Tigers swoop in and are like, here. Here's whatever for this. This tra- this was a three-team complicated. This this trade was not going away. He's been released from the hospital since. He's, well, he was fine. He's a okay. Yeah. Well, then oh, there's your answer. He then was- don't go to the hospital in the first place. You know what? Would we be talking about this if he wasn't in the hospital? <laughs> we would not be no, talking about this. The Mariners this. just won the winter meetings. 
by, by Topono going to the hospital. Well, yeah, that too. Okay. We'll get back to the Brewers in just a moment. What should we expect from Jimmy Nelson this year? I'll give you my thoughts next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Matt Pauley with you for another 25 minutes. We're talking Brewers baseball winter meetings wrapping up and now kind of the next big mile marker event of the offseason is going to be the on-deck event, and then you come out of the on-deck event, and all of a sudden, just like that, you are into pitchers and catchers reporting. So uh, it seems like winter is a long time. It really isn't. It moves along well, and uh, we'll see what the Brewers do between now and the on-deck event. Uh, Brewers do, this past week, agree to a one-year contract with Jimmy Nelson. Now, he was going to be back. He was under club control. Basically, what that means is if they would not have been able to agree to a contract with him, they would have gone to arbitration. But they avoid arbitration. He's going to get $3.7 million this upcoming season. That's the exact same amount that he agreed to last year. Pretty standard when a player misses an entire season. More often than not, they'll just receive the exact same number in arbitration the next year. According to uh, Adam McAlvey of uh, Brewers.com and MLB.com, there was also a $50,000 bonus in there if Jimmy Nelson wins the National League Comeback Player of the Year award. Good on him for throwing that in. That's a possibility. If he gets back to what he was two years ago, he could have an extra $50,000 coming his way. He's going through a standard offseason. Everything's normal. Uh, had the Brewers not been in contention and needing to win, and you know every single one of those games down the stretch was so important. Had they not been in that sort of scenario, wouldn't it have shocked me to maybe see him get added late in the year and get a couple big league innings in. But with them being so competitive, that wasn't the time just to work a guy in. So the question is, what should the expectation be of Jimmy Nelson? It's it's kind of funny because we're having, last year, the conversation was, when will Jimmy Nelson be back? How different is this team when he's going to get back? And all along, Ashton can attest to this. Up until the moment, they kind of said, okay, it's not looking so great on him to get back. I was the guy saying, pump your brakes on Jimmy Nelson. He's probably not going to have any significant role on the team. I think that changes a little bit this year, and it's this is going to be one of the more compelling aspects of what's about to happen. In 2017, Jimmy Nelson was 12-6, and six, a 3.49 ERA, and he, he got some Cy Young Award votes. Uh, not that he was among the Cy Young Award vote leaders, but he showed up on the list. And I I don't know if we can expect that from him. And if you break down those numbers from those from twenty seventeen, he was he was really good uh down the stretch of the season. So if he was coming off Tommy John surgery, uh, if he was coming off one of the more standard baseball injuries I'd, I'd be able to sit here and kind of tell you what to expect this year when a guy misses an entire season from Tommy John and then he comes back the next year what you're always going to hear me say every single time you can predict it I'm going to tell you 
that he's not going to be the same guy that he was prior to the surgery, and it's going to take him a year to get back to that. That that first year, those first appearances after Tommy John surgery, it takes a pretty long time to eventually get all the way back. You know, more often than not, it just seems like guys don't come off Tommy John surgery and start beginning of seasons. It just seems like more often than not, those guys are joining the team midway through the season because the injury has to happen in season. So just the timeline on that pretty much says that it's it's tough to have that and, and start out the year, uh, just the way generally that calendar stuff works. So that's always my answer on Tommy John. Guy will not look the same and is going to move forward. And next year, expect him to get back to who it is, who he was. This deal, the shoulder injury, the the surgery that he had, I mean, he had a football injury. He didn't have a baseball injury. He had a football injury. And we don't know how his body is going to respond to this injury. We don't know how his body is going to respond to that surgery. We don't know how his shoulder is going to look. We don't know anything. This is uncharted territory. There is nothing standard about this Jimmy Nelson injury. It's a standard offseason for him, and if his shoulder is completely rebuilt to a point of where it was prior to the injury, then we can expect him to look like the Jimmy Nelson of 2017. But if it's like Tommy John, where it takes a little while for everything to kind of start working together again, well... He won't look like the Jimmy Nelson of 2017. So I say all that to say this. There should be zero expectations for Jimmy Nelson this year. This is his year, at least early on in the season, this is his year to work his way back in. And I know that can be frustrating, especially when a guy misses an entire season. Your reaction to that might be, well, then what was last year? Well, last year was the recovery year. You know, there's pr- it's a process. You go from recovery into rehab and all that sort of stuff. And even though technically he's done with rehab, he has not yet knocked down that domino that is getting back into a major league game, pitching in games that matter. He's got to do that. And then they can start to figure out where to go from there. So as I said all of last year when people were thinking that he was going to be the X factor for the Brewers down the stretch when he came back. And I, A, I didn't think he would come back. And B, I was pretty sure he wouldn't be the same guy if he would have. I pumped the brakes a little bit again. Whatever you get from Jimmy Nelson this year, especially early on in the season, to me, that is very much bonus. I He's a workout crazy guy. I know he has been just busting his you-know-what to be able to uh, get back and be good to go. But I feel like it's another pump-the-brake moment for uh, for Jimmy Nelson to see what he's going to contribute this upcoming year. All right, second baseman. That's, that's the spot right now, right? The Brewers do not have a second baseman coming out of the winter meetings. Is this a problem? And what should the Brewers be looking at at second base? We'll uh, dive into that next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Ashton, we just had a very interesting text. So sometimes I say things that is that are that's grammatical. As I can't even like get these words out. I don't always speak in proper grammar. And Michael in Oak Creek said it's uncharted, not unchartered. I guess I've been saying uncharted territory. It's uncharted. That makes sense. That makes more sense in the world. But I, I sometimes you're saying you can use both. The internet saying both works? It's in different contexts. Okay. I don't remember what you said. Sorry, but... 
So if I'm chartering somewhere, it's like, uh, so, yeah, Michael's probably right. I, I probably said it incorrectly. But it, a lot of times when I get these correction text messages, it kind of annoys me. But not this one because it had me, because I have been clear. A lot of times I just make mistakes accidentally. Like the other day, I was doing afternoon sports, and I meant to say Joe Philbin, and I accidentally said Mike Pettin, and the phones just lit up like you wouldn't believe. And clearly, just the wrong words came out of my mouth. And I know I'm on the radio. It's my job to have the right words come out of my mouth. But that one kind of annoyed me because I clearly, I just, I misspoke. We all, I'm not perfect. We all misspeak sometimes. This one's not a misspeak. This one is me just not knowing. So thank you. Michael and Oak Creek. I appreciate that. 414-799-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line if you feel the need to continue to correct uh, my grammar. Uh, all right, so the the Brewers need a second baseman. I'm pretty convinced. I've, I've really come around on this. Like last week, I thought it was sort of a 90-10 proposition that the Brewers would probably find a second baseman and move Travis Shaw over to third, but I thought there was still like a 10% chance that maybe... Uh, the Brewers will would go and, and whether it's bring back a Mike Moustakis or find somebody else at third and keep Travis Shaw at second. I kind of kept the door open for that. As time goes along, I just I feel like the percentage of chance of that happening is just decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. And I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I think Travis Shaw is going to be back at third next year. So it presents the question: What do you do at second base? And the answer at second base is going to be a veteran guy who's willing to come in on a one-year deal. It's got to be a one-year deal because of Keston Hira getting to the Brewers in all likelihood this upcoming season. Whoever is brought in to play second base is keeping the seat warm for Keston Hira. A lot of talk about Daniel Murphy. I'm fine with Daniel Murphy. If if that's who they sign, that's but it's a, it's a flooded market. We got twelve minutes left in the program. We don't have time to like break down every single free agent second baseman. There's a lot of guys out there that would work that I would be perfectly happy with. But the the conversation that has organically come about because of the Brewers' reported interest in Daniel Murphy is the importance of defense at second base in all this. Murphy's got a bat, not a very good fielding second baseman, doesn't have especially good range, isn't an especially good fielder. There's nothing. He is an offensive second baseman. There's nothing about him that is a defensive second baseman. And the Brewers, and this, if you were listening last week, uh, we had a pretty deep conversation into shifts in baseball. And if you didn't hear the show last week, you can find it. You can go to WTMJ.com, go to the Brewers Extra Innings page, and you can you can hear our conversation. Because the, the argument right now is whether or not shifts need to stay or shifts need to go. At this point, by the way, I hope they don't make a change on shifting rules this offseason because I don't think it's fair to teams. A team like the Brewers utilize the shift so much that I think it actually impacts the way they go about uh, signing players. And, and I'll explain that more in just a moment. So I don't think it's fair to teams if all of a sudden you come out tomorrow and say, yeah, the shift is banned. Well, it's like we've been going through this offseason thinking it was going to be a certain way. 
if you are a deficient defensive second baseman and you play for the Brewers, it matters less than if you play for a team that does not shift quite as often because the Brewers are able to mask those defensive deficiencies by putting their best infielders in a position where the ball is more likely going to go. And also, if you've got a pool hitter, you know, a left-handed pool hitter, you're going to have three guys on the first base side of second base. That creates a scenario where your second baseman doesn't need to show as much range. And also, a lot of times in those scenarios, the, the second baseman is playing out in shallow right field, which gives you even more time on a ground ball to get where you need to go. So the, the the thought process out there that they should not go after a Daniel Murphy simply because he's not a very good defensive second baseman, I would argue that, yeah, he's going to make errors. Like There's going to be mistakes that are made. I'm not going to say that, that was, that's never going to impact a game, but it's not really going to... They can mask those deficiencies. It's why they were so comfortable with moving Travis Shaw to second. Now, the Shaw to second thing worked out great. He played fine. There was nothing wrong with what Travis Shaw did at second. But the system was already in place for him to be fine because they were going to mask any defensive deficiency he had by the way they implemented the shift. So if you're freaking out about Daniel Murphy possibly coming to the Brewers because you think they're just going to fall apart defensively, he's not going to be put in that position very often where that's going to have a major effect on the team. Not 100% of the time, but most of the time. Brewers Weekly. We'll uh, we'll get into uh, we'll try to get some talk about uh, the catching position because they had a conversation with a potential catcher and, and what the, what that would look like. Might continue this conversation about uh, shifting a bit as well. We'll do that next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. We'll grab a couple uh, phone calls and text messages before we call today. We're gonna probably table the catching discussion for next week. Don't quite have enough time to get into that. So next week, we'll be back on from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. 414-799-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll go to Tom in Richfield. Hey, Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Say, uh, uh, too bad for the Brewers that they'd have to deal without being able to do the shift because I, I'm totally against the shift. It's ruining the game. Uh, when your best players hit 300, and fail seven out of ten times, and they put a shift on, and he bats 250, it ruins the game. It takes, no, you shouldn't move it, and we have to find a second baseman. Maybe we got to start out with Aaron Perez this year, and then try to find a replacement for him, but it's got to it's gotta go. It's not good for baseball. So, Tom, uh, you say it's ruining baseball. Are you, watching, ruining... are you watching less baseball because of the shift? Uh... Yeah, well, I'm not going to say I've watched less. I'm I'm a full season ticket holder, so I go to a lot of ball games. But I, I I'm just telling you that it's turning off the younger kids when you don't have scoring. When guys are batting 250 now would be a great batting. Average. Tom, I might be jumping in on your words a little bit too strong here, and I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm really not. But you're a season ticket holder. Were you there in the postseason? I was there every game. Now, how much? How much fun was that? Did you just have a blast? 
Uh, I had a lot of fun. Okay, yeah, so baseball was not ruined. Time. That You had a I'm great a, time. I'm a guy, though, but the young crowd, the people that are going to replace me, don't like it. You know what? I'll, I'll disagree with you there because it's the young crowd that's into all the advanced metrics and everything, and you go on social media, and the, the younger demographic of people are so in favor of the shift right now because of the advanced numbers that they buy into so much. Well, then you know what? Then you're going to have to settle for a, a Hall of Famer that hits 250. Yeah, but my, my point is on that, and we don't have a whole lot of time, if those guys want to take it the other way and get a base hit, they can. But if you're Jesus Aguilar, why are you going to try to take it the other way just to get a base hit? Your your goal is to be an extra base hitter. I've never believed that the shift is there to, you know, if you're a slap hitter that gets singles, they're not shifting for you. They're shifting for the power hitters. Because they can't move. Those guys don't have, they've been doing this for so long, they, now to start going the other way, it's a, it's difficult. The game of baseball is is difficult when you got 98 mile an hour pitchers and you got to shift. Yeah, it is. Okay. T- Tom, I'm up against the top of the hour, so I got to let you go. I appreciate the phone call. Appreciate you listening. I, the, the one thing I disagree with, and we don't have a ton of time here, I think those power hitters who the shift is against them, they could easily, maybe not easily, but if they wanted to, they can change their approach. They can go the other way and they can become a slap hitter. But I don't want a power hitter all of a sudden becoming a guy who just hits singles the other way because they shifted. In fact, the other team will take it. Give me a guy who hits 30, 40 home runs a year, drives in 100 runs a year. You want to just give him, let him get on base every time? Take it. It's not extra base hits, not driving in runs. That's it for this week's Brewers Weekly. We'll talk to you next week here on WTMJ.